0: 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Good morning and welcome again. We do wish that our mothers will have a great day. We're very grateful for you. We thank you for your influence, for the love that you have shown, and for your constant encouragement. We're very grateful to have a number of mothers, grandmothers, and even great-grandmothers with us today. And so we are especially happy to honor you today, and we pray that God will richly bless you with many more years of life in this Well, we pray that God would bless you with many long and productive years of life here on this earth. We are thankful to have a number of visitors with us and we pray that God will bless you and that you will want to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're grateful for a sunny day, the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're going to be looking today at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look not only at chapter 1, in verses 3 through 5, but also chapter 3, verse 15. We want to talk today about the blessings of a godly mother. I want to begin by saying that there's just no way that you and I could ever put a premium, a dollar amount, on the value of a godly mother. No doubt many of us have been blessed by the influence of a godly mother or grandmother or even great grandmother. And we do honor those that have sought to the best of their ability to live a godly life. And I think about the power of influence and the fact that you and I, we can, we can exert a measure of influence In our brief tenure here upon this earth, there are many of us that that have literally been molded and shaped by the love and encouragement of a godly mother. And so today I want us to think for a moment or two about the life of Timothy. Timothy was a young man that had been shaped by a loving mother and grandmother. He had been shaped, spiritually speaking, by their influence. And so we're going to think about that for just a moment or two. The first thing I want to call your attention to is the foundation of faith. When we talk about the foundation of faith, in this case, we're talking about the genealogy of Timothy, his family tree. I want you to look with me again at verse 3, the passage that Austin read a moment ago. Where the Apostle Paul said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded... Is in you also. When we talk about the fact that the Apostle Paul here calls to mind the faith that dwelt first in the grandmother of Timothy and then in the mother of Timothy, and then finally, Paul said, This faith dwelt in this young man named Timothy. There are a couple of things here that I would call your attention to. First of all, we talk about the reception of faith. Now, Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jews. They had been raised by Jewish parents. And no doubt, they had been receptive to the teaching of Almighty God with regard to the coming of the Messiah. And you can read about the family tree of Timothy back in the book of Acts. Timothy's father, however, was Grecian. And so he was reared in what we would call a divided household. And yet there was a reception on the part of Lois and Eunice to the gospel of Christ. Now, Luke does not give us the details of their obedience to the gospel But I believe that they obeyed the gospel at some point in time, probably during the missionary efforts of the Apostle Paul. Timothy likewise became a convert to Christianity. And Paul talks about how in 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, Timothy was his own son in the faith. But we, we think about the reception of faith. And James talks about how we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. The word of God is very powerful. The Hebrew writer tells us it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So these people had no doubt been receptive to the faith. But then I want you to think with me very specifically about the reproduction of faith because that's what we see in this verse. Look again at what Paul said. He brings to... To remembrance the genuine faith he said it first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and then he said it dwelt in your mother Eunice and then he said it dwelt in you so you have three generations of people impacted by the truth of almighty God now in chapter 2 of 2nd Timothy Paul instructs Timothy he said The things which you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these also to faithful men. And what you have there is the reproduction of faith. And that's what we're talking about here. I want you to think for just a moment about your family tree. Who influenced you to obey the gospel? Was it your mother, your father? Maybe, Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a great grandparent. Somebody, no doubt, influenced you or impacted your life for the cause of Christ. I was thinking this past week about my own family. My grandmother married my grandfather in the early 1940s. My father's biological mother died not long after he was born. So when my dad was 11 years of age, my grandfather married the only grandmother that I knew on his side of the family. And they married, as I said, in about 1941. Well, my grandmother was a Christian. Her mother was a Christian. And so what she did, she brought the truth of God to my grandfather. My grandfather obeyed the gospel. And then my dad obeyed the gospel. My dad met my mother and she obeyed the gospel. And in turn, I later obeyed the gospel as a teenager. All I'm saying is that if you are a Christian today, somebody took the time to make sure that the faith of Almighty God was deposited into your heart. Maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a brother or sister, but somebody thought enough of you to teach you the gospel of Christ. Now, in order for the church of Christ to grow and to to be what God would have it to be, there has to be what we call the reproduction of faith. You remember Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We have the responsibility of sharing the gospel with other people. Austin read our scripture today. It wasn't that long ago that Austin obeyed the gospel. We've had a number of young people that have obeyed the gospel in this congregation. When young people obey the gospel, that says a couple of things. It says first and foremost, somebody is doing their job. It says that they have a mother or father that thinks enough of them to bring them to worship and to Bible study and to teach and to share the gospel of Christ. Now look at, look at Timothy. Timothy became a great servant of the Lord, but somebody thought enough of him to share with him the gospel of Christ. Now I said a moment ago, that Timothy's mother and grandmother, they were of Jewish descent. They had obeyed the gospel. And then here's Timothy. He's right, as we say, for the picking. The apostle Paul comes along, and what happens? Well, Timothy obeys the gospel. And so the foundation of faith. But then there's a second thing I want to call your attention to, and that is the formation of faith. When we talk about the formation of faith, What what we need to understand is that that you and I, as parents and grandparents and even great-grandparents, we have been given a tremendous opportunity. That opportunity is to, to share the greatest message known to man with our children. We have the opportunity to literally shape and to mold the minds of our children. And so how are we going to do that? There are a couple of things I want you to think with with me about regarding this point. And I would ask you to turn to chapter 3, verse 15 now. In chapter 3, at verse 15, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, and that from childhood, some translations say, and that from a babe. He said, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We're talking about the formation of faith. When we emphasize the formation of faith, what we're really trying to say is that our young people need guidance. Who is going to guide our young people? Is it gonna be the media? Is it gonna be television? Is it, is it going to be in the classroom, that is, in the secular classroom? Or is it, going to, is it going to come from the home? Hopefully and prayerfully, our young people are going to be guided by parents, grandparents, great-grandparents in the home. So, two things. Number one, the mandate to teach our children. Now, Paul, in writing, so Timothy said that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. If you go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll see that Moses in the long ago legislated the importance of teaching among the Israelite families. He said the Lord our God is one Lord. And he said you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. These words which I commend you today shall be in your heart. And then he said, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Now what did, what did Lois and Eunice do in the home? Well, they taught young Timothy. Listen again. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. They did what God in heaven asked of them. That is, they began at a very early age teaching and instructing young Timothy. Now let me ask this question. Are you honoring your responsibility to rear your children in the Lord? The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You and I have the opportunity to rear our children in the Lord. Is it not the case that they need to understand certain basic fundamental principles from the scriptures? Well, the answer would be yes. So again, we talk about this mandate to teach our children, but I want you to consider with me also the importance of molding and teaching our children. And there are a couple of things I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, I believe that there are certain fundamental cardinal doctrines of the Bible that we need to be sharing with our children. If we're not teaching our children certain divine truths, then really we're missing the boat. Let me just cite for you some of the things that I believe that you and I as parents ought to be teaching our children. Number one, we ought to be teaching and and training our children to know the God of heaven. Now the Bible talks about The Godhead. There are three instances, three references in the New Testament to the Godhead. The Godhead is composed of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus, of course, demonstrated the Godhead bodily, as the Apostle Paul would say in Colossians 2, verse 9. But you and I need to teach our children about the Godhead and the fact that the Godhead was important and was at work in creation. What is the significance of the Godhead to me? Well, go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why do we need to teach our children about the work of the Godhead, the fact that God the Father... Jesus Christ, the, the Word who became flesh, the Holy Spirit. Why do we need to emphasize to them that they were at work in creation? Well, in Genesis 1:26, the Bible says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let me tell you why. Because we are living in a world in which many people have embraced the idea that we are the products of evolution. You can watch many television programs today and in a very subtle way and sometimes in not so subtle a way, they will tell you that you are the product of evolution. Well, as parents, we need to correct that kind of thinking. We need to tell our children, look, there is a Godhead. That Godhead was at work in creation. That Godhead is still at work today. They are still involved in the affairs of mankind. So emphasizing to them the importance of the three members of the Godhead. And then also I think about not just the Godhead, but the deity of Christ. Some of these may or may not be on the screen before you, but the deity of Christ. There are some individuals that have the idea that Jesus was and is a created being. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Why is it imperative that our young people know that Jesus is the son of God? Because Jesus said, except you believe that I am he. In other words, unless you come to believe that I am who I claim to be, the son of God, you will die in your sins. Our salvation is rooted in the deity of Christ. Another thing that I believe we ought to be teaching our children about is... We ought to talk to them about the New Testament church, that Jesus came to establish the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church. Our young people need to understand the church is an important entity. It cost the Son of God his very blood. In Acts 20, verse 28, Jesus loved the church to the extent that he... The Bible says... He gave himself for it in Ephesians 5:25. The church is so important that the Apostle Paul said that the saved are in the church. And then what about the plan of salvation? I mentioned just a moment ago how Austin and several, several other of our young people have obeyed the gospel. Who taught them what to do to become a Christian? Well, maybe they heard it in class. Maybe they heard it from the pulpit. Maybe they heard it in the home. I hope and pray that they heard it from all three of those sources. And I believe that they did. But again, emphasizing to our children, this is what the Bible says on how to be saved. You have to put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, John 8, 24. You have to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. You're immersed in a watery grave of baptism. Acts 2.38. You rise to walk in newness of life, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're added to the body of Christ. Acts 2.47. These are fundamental, cardinal doctrines of the New Testament with regard to our worship. Just a moment ago, we partook of the Lord's Supper. We have teaching moments in the home. When our young people observe those of us who are members of the church partaking of the Lord's Supper, sometimes they, they may ask the question. Why do you you take that bread and why do you drink that cup? Well, we can tell them that we are observing the death of Jesus. We have so many opportunities to teach our children the fundamentals of the faith, our worship to God, five acts of worship. We can can spend time teaching, teaching and instructing our children in these great precepts. But those are just some of the basic cardinal doctrines that all of our children need to know. And then there's what I call character development from the Bible. Let me ask this question. There are certain just fundamental, foundational truths that our children need need to know. There are certain things that our children need to know, and it may be the case, probably is the case, they're not going to learn these things anywhere but in the home or maybe in Bible class or in worship. Let me just share with you some things that our children need to be taught in the home. Number one, they need to be taught about honesty. Look look at our world today. Look at corporate America. Look at at some of the problems that, that have come to the fore in our society because of dishonesty. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Paul said in Ephesians 5, Wherefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor. Who's going to tell your son or your daughter? Honesty is always the best policy. Maybe they'll hear that in school. But the bottom line is, we have the responsibility of telling our children, look, you need to be honest. It may hurt to tell the truth, but always tell the truth. And I think also in in light of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, emphasizing to our children to stand by your word. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. If you tell somebody you're gonna do something, then do it. And and this, I think, brings up another point. And that is emphasizing to our children the importance of being trustworthy. Being a person of their word. Where do they learn how to be trustworthy? Probably in the home. To whom do they look? Probably to you. Let me just say this. If your children see you as a mother or father, saying one thing and doing something else, they will pick up on that. If they see you, for example, in the church, given a certain task by the leadership, and you say, I will do that, and then you drop the ball, And sometimes I understand there are unforeseeable circumstances that that prohibit us from executing a certain work, maybe sickness, illness, something like that. But let's just say you've been given a task to do and you just don't do it. What does that say to your children? It says the work of the church is secondary, the work of the church is not important, and you don't have to be a person of your word they need to learn to be trustworthy in proverbs chapter 31 the writer in that context talks about the worthy woman whose price is far above rubies and he said speaking of this godly woman and her husband the heart of her husband safely trust in her you want your children to be faithful husbands and wives down the road, you want them to be the right kind of mate, then demonstrate it in the home. Be trustworthy and loyal to your mate. Another, I think, very important character issue is purity. This is the age of what is called the sexual revolution. And there are young people today that are experimenting with, with sexual relations. There are young people today, there are teenagers, there are our children today who are in my opinion they are babies and they are having babies well Paul said keep yourself pure in 1 Timothy 5 22 who's going to tell your, your son or your daughter that you need to remain pure that you need to live a chaste life Do you think they're going to hear that in school? I mean, there are some school systems that have literally handed out protective devices, contraceptives. That's not the answer. The answer is to teach our children purity. That's what we ought to be doing. Those are just some basic, fundamental things that we as parents ought to be teaching our children. Now, thirdly, and finally, go back and look again at verse 15. Let, let's talk about the fruitfulness of faith. What's the goal that, that we as parents have for our children? Well, listen again to what Paul said. About Timothy, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what the goal as a parent is for our children. It is to see our children saved in Christ Jesus. That is the ultimate goal. There are a lot of things that we may that we may have the opportunity to, to see firsthand in the lives of our children. There are first steps. There are well, there is the first day of school. There, there are so many firsts in our children's lives, but ultimately, what is the most important is to see them become a, a child of God. Paul said that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Why, why does Paul emphasize the Holy Scriptures? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. All right, here's somebody, they've been taught the Scriptures, and what happens? They have become wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Why do you sit down and talk to your kids about the Bible? Because you want to see your children saved. Why have I had parents come and talk to me about their children? Because they're they're concerned about them. Because they want to see their children living for the Lord. So, first and foremost, the goal is salvation in Christ. Secondly, it is to see them steadfast or secure in Christ. Look at at the life of Timothy. Paul is writing to his own son in the faith. He's talking about how his mother, his grandmother, have become obedient to the faith. They're living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Now Timothy's living a godly life in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Timothy is living a steadfast life in Christ. There were people in the days of, of the Apostle Paul and in the days of Timothy who were being tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There were some people that were giving up the faith, and yet here's Timothy. Paul would say, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them. That's stability. For in so doing, he said, You'll save both yourself and them that hear you. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. Paul said, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And then, thirdly, what about the goal of seeing our children become great servants in the Lord? What about seeing our children serving the Lord on a daily basis? Look again at the life of of, of Timothy. Timothy has been influenced by his mother, by his grandmother, by the apostle Paul. You have all of these forces at work molding and shaping his life, making him into what we would call an ideal servant of the Lord. Now you just think about some of the things that you want to see your children accomplish in life. Would it be great to see our children as doctors, whether it be a medical doctor, a dentist, a surgeon, whatever the case may be, to see them practicing law, to to see them working as engineers, to see them as school teachers. All of these great professions are noble. But listen, the most important thing your children can do in this life is to become a servant of the Lord, to serve the Lord. Maybe your son will become a gospel preacher. Maybe he will one day serve as an elder or deacon. Maybe your your daughter will be married to a gospel preacher or married to a future elder or deacon or to a Bible school teacher. Maybe your daughter will become a Bible school teacher. Maybe your daughter will be influential among other young ladies. But the fact of the matter is we want to see our children serving the Lord. When Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 4, He said, Timothy, you preach the word. In verse 5, he said, you do the work of an evangelist. What is that? That's a servant. That's what we want to see for our children. We want to see them serving the Lord daily. Let me tell you what. We talk about the reproduction of the faith. This church is here today because somebody thought enough of this community to plant a congregation in this area. There are family members that have now long since departed this life, but their ancestors, their family tree, still belong to this congregation. What is it that's going to perpetuate this work? It's you and me sharing the gospel with our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and carrying on. The blessings of a godly mother. We talk about the blessings of a godly home. If somebody were to say, just write out a monetary figure, of what what would it take to have a godly home? I can't put a dollar amount on it, but I can tell you this. If a young person has a godly mother or godly father in the home, it's priceless. Read Proverbs 31 about the worthy woman. He said, her price is far above rubies. You can't put a dollar amount on a godly mother or godly father. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're young, maybe you're old. We want to encourage you to come to Christ today. To do like they did on Pentecost Day, to hear the gospel, to believe it, to obey it, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins as Peter would say in Acts 2.38. God will then add you to the church, Acts 2.47. And here's the promise. If you live faithfully until death, the Lord will bestow on you the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. Maybe you're here today. You've not been what you ought to be as a parent. Maybe your life has not been what it ought to be. Could we pray with you and for you? I know this. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could we pray with you today as we stand and sing?